everyone, and welcome to our first podcast of 2016. My name is Tina Stock, and with me is Darren Chirazzo, and in this week's podcast, we'll give you a heads up on another competitor entering our market. Weird thing is, this is one of the payment systems, Square, uh, but we'll let you know what's happening there. We'll talk about location marketing and give you a quick update on what's happening in the world of native advertising. Additionally, this week, we're going to have a special guest with us who's going to share some insights into a large sale that was done in their territory, what they did well, what worked, and hopefully give us some key takeaways that we can apply as we're out in the marketplace talking to our customers as well. I think it's a great story. But before we get started on this important stuff, I just wanted to say Happy New Year, Darren. How are your holidays? Happy New Year. Everything was great. It was really good to have some cool weather in the in the Texas area. It actually made it down in the 60s. So everybody was whipping out their uh, their biggest <laughs> six Dallas six zero or so, sixteen. No, six zero. So, you know, when we hit 60 in Texas, we're pulling out our puffy Dallas cowboy jackets and shivering every time we have to walk five feet outside. So I did, I guess, what was the most popular thing to do this year. I went and saw the Star Wars movie. Did you go see that movie by any chance? I actually did. And uh, before seeing uh, The Force Awakens, I actually got my brother to get me all the DVDs on the whole prequels and and the old classic Star Wars movies, and I caught up on the whole uh, legend of Star Wars before I saw the latest Star Wars movie. And uh, it was really good to do. That way it was all fresh in my mind. Oh my gosh, I respect your nerdiness. That is so cool. So what did you think about the new one? Did you think it was worth watching? I loved the new movie. It lived up to all the hype, I think. And it's really cool to see all of that take off in this day and time as opposed to 1977 when I saw the first film. And uh, the reason is is because we all now have technology to communicate. We can see more of everybody's reactions. And um, there's a website that is in the, the, based in the Dallas area called cufflinks.com. And they were so excited about the Star Wars movies, they released a whole line of uh, Star Wars-based cufflinks, and my favorite cufflinks are, there's a set of two, on one of them is Princess Leia, and the other one is Han Solo, and one of them says, I love you, and the other one says, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just a classic oh movie line, it's just awesome. Oh my gosh. That's that is that is really cool. I don't know. It was it was kind of a nostalgic feeling for me, much more than the actual movie itself. So, um, and I'm sure that everybody listening to this podcast is excited that we also talked about it. I wanted to turn it over to you. I think you had three articles that you were going to share this week on things that were happening in the industry. So, Darren, why don't you go ahead and tackle that? The overall theme of all these articles is something that we've been talking about in almost every single one of our podcasts that we've ever done, and that's the evolution of mobile and how it's influencing buyer behavior and it's influencing what businesses have to do to get in front of and entertain and win the business of those buyers. The first article is from Search Engine Land, and uh, it's called Six Trends Shaping Location Marketing in 2006. This article discusses how local marketing will change this year from apps to beacons to marketing within uh, retail locations and the technology there, and most importantly, how that's going to influence buyer behavior 
right at the moment of purchase, and, and that's really, really cool. So the number one thing is <clears throat> that location data will become the foundation for local marketing this year. Brands are realizing that data aggregators such as Local Ease and publishers like Apple and Foursquare can be real powerful partners to amplify the location data across the digital world. And then number two, in one of our, our past podcasts, we had discussed how Google was losing market share because mobile phones are taking people through different apps to, to complete their searches and find the things they need instead of people using their laptop going straight to Google and conducting their searches. So Google was losing market share, and that continues to happen today. So Google, in response to that, they are investing a lot more in local search. Uh, they're going to really be focusing on and investing a lot into the Google My Business API. They want to own local information for businesses, and they want to make it easy for local businesses to engage with that app so that way Google will be the cruise ship that brings all those customers to them through mobile devices. And then number three, apps this year will definitely flex their location marketing muscle. And what they're doing, businesses are discovering how apps like Periscope and Snapchat can support advertising uh, and direct response at a national level. Like, for instance, uh, Dunkin' Donuts included Snapchat as, far, as part of, uh, of a promotion to celebrate National Coffee Day, and Taco Bell, trying to drive their breakfast uh, menu, used Periscope to promote a uh, biscuit taco giveaway across its locations, and it was really successful. Number four, beacons will grow dramatically this year. These are uh, devices that are used within a retail location, like such as Target or a big, large grocery store. And what they do is they plant beacons around the store, and anybody that has a mobile device, like an iPhone or a Samsung phone that has Bluetooth turned on, a beacon can kind of detect where the shopper is in the store, and as, as they approach an item, that is associated with a promotion, the uh, beacon will send a message to that person's phone as they approach that item. So for instance, I could be in Target, maybe I'm in the furniture section, and as I approach the furniture section, I walk up to a beacon where it sends a message to my phone to tell me that their dining room sets are on, on sale. And then number five, mobile wallets are expected to explode this year. Uh, Apple Pay, um, Google Wallet, I mean, all of these things, they're looking at increasing twice or three times the usage this year as compared to last year. And then the number six thing is that the disruptors will continue to edge their way into what has traditionally been Google's turf. Google always will be the 800-pound gorilla of search, but I think this year we're going to see Apple and Facebook continue to make improvements on their platforms and uh, steal away some of their user base and shopper base. So those are the top six things we can expect this year. If you take that article and refine it back down to what we do, it, it again reinforces the theory that uh, a local business, if they want to win shoppers over it, they have to be in a lot of places and have a diverse program. And we are one of the leading companies that offers the diverse advertising programs to get businesses where they need to be.
The next article is from adexchanger.com, basically talking about how Square uses marketing support to get cozier with small businesses. So many of you guys have heard of the company Square, this company that gave you a little tiny white thing that you plug into your iPhone or your iPad, and, and just with a minimal effort, they could swipe and accept credit cards at their local business. But what they wanted to do was see what else besides those things small businesses could really use. And I, I think what made it so interesting to me, so if you've ever purchased anything from a business that uses Square, they give you the option to input your email address and receive your receipt electronically. The first time that I did that, I had that aha moment of, hey, they just got my email address. And I gave it to them willingly, like, please email me my receipt because I don't want paper in my purse. And <laughs> back then, I remember thinking, wow, Square has just made it so simple for that small business to create their email list. Here's all of my customers who have given, given me, willingly given me their email address to give them a receipt. Now I can use those email addresses to contact them and send them coupons and market additional upsell, cross-sell, all of those other opportunities. I think that's the brilliance of what Square is doing is that they're connecting their payment processing platform with a CRM platform and basically saying, hey, we're, we're going to help you keep in contact with these people. And then additionally, the thing that Square is doing is that they're making that data connection between online marketing and offline purchases. So if a customer comes in the first time, buys a cupcake, gives you their email address, and then you send them a coupon that says, hey, come back and buy a dozen cupcakes, we'll give you 50% off. They come in and they show you that coupon and they get that bunch of, of cupcakes. You've now connected a marketing activity data-wise to the, the revenue that is now being swiped on that credit card again. They keep using that credit card or that purchase card over and over again, and every time they, they are capturing that data, and now they can say, hey, here is a swipe, here is an email, here is another swipe, here is another email, and they're like connecting those data dots. So it's that offline and online transaction that's just brilliant, just brilliant. And Square, apparently, they generate approximately 95% of their revenue from payments and point-of-sale transactions. But what they're also getting into now is, you know, they're offering small business financing, e-invoices, e-commerce setup, yep. payroll, among all the other full suite of marketing that you were talking about. If I was a selling rep today, how could I use this article to uh, help me sell more and, and relate it to what we do? I would say that we go into the marketplace and we don't just sell ads. We're really full-blown business consultants because we're doing analytics on competitors. We're coming up with like marketing strategies and methods to bring new customers for them and helping them analyze the competition to come up with something that's more competitive with the guy next door that sells the same thing that they do. You know, local business owners don't have you know, not only the time, but sometimes not the knowledge to do this. And that's where we come in. We swoop yeah. in, we've got the perfect products, and we've got the strategies to help them analyze everything they need to do to, to win more business. Yeah, and I, I think what you highlighted, the fact that 
our role has evolved rather than just being the print yellow page sales rep that they were, you know, 20 years ago. We are the marketing consultant. And it actually ties in perfect to the next article I wanted to cover just real quick. It's from mediapost.com. As always, all of the articles are available on the News You Can Use podcast. And this article specifically is talking about how the FTC is putting some guidelines on how native advertising must carry clear disclosures. And I'll give you all a little bit of background. Native advertising is anticipated to be a huge game changer over the next couple of years. Business Insider did some research and they believe that spending on native ads, right now we're looking at about $8 billion a year is being spent on native advertising. They anticipate that this is going to grow to $21 billion in ad dollars spent in native advertising in 2018. So literally in three years, two years, we're looking at $21 billion being spent on this ad type. This is being driven partially by all the ad blocking that's occurring. Native advertising is not perceived the same as a banner ad on a mobile uh, handset. So we think this is driving part of it. There's also the perception that native ads are more effective at brand building. And then the third thing is that there is actual data that shows that the click-through rate on a native ad is higher than the click-through rate on a standard banner uh, ad on the same page. So native advertising, huge opportunity, huge growth curve. So, of course, the government, FTC, is getting involved in trying to put some guidelines around how native advertising should be positioned. And another point to make here is that native advertising is not the same as content marketing. I know in the industry there for a while has been kind of a misuse of the two terms and intermingling of the two terms. Us as the experts in the marketplace on marketing strategies, we got to make sure that we've got our terminology correct. Bottom line, native ads are part of a paid media program similar to what a banner ad would be done. We would consider banner advertising to also be paid media or TV advertising paid media, but a native ad actually looks like editorial content versus traditional advertising. So I know um, if you ever got one of those neighborhood magazines, they would have like the local attorney in your community would write an advertorial. That's considered a native ad. Advertorials is that kind of a concept. It looks like traditional content, but it actually is written by somebody who has monetary interest in making it successful. Native advertising is, like I said, often confused with content marketing, but content marketing or social marketing is actually when the business creates the content and they publish it to their audience and, fingers crossed, the customers share and give it some viral exposure. So if you think about Facebook, which is probably the biggest example that we have of how paid media versus content marketing owned media can be used on the same platform. If you look at a Facebook results page, there would be a display ad over at the right side. In your news feed, you're going to have content that is given to you by businesses that you follow. That's part of their content marketing. You follow them, you like them, you're part of their audience. But then there's this native advertising, which is basically a business has paid to have their content inside your feed. It looks like the content that you signed up for, but you may not necessarily follow the person who's prom- the business that's promoting this content. So again, if you're not familiar with the difference between 
native advertising, content marketing. Recommend that you look it up, Google it. Um, make sure that you're real comfortable with these concepts of paid advertising, paid media versus owned media. Just kind of an interesting side note, Internet Ad Bureau, they're the standard setter for how digital advertising works and setting the standards for digital advertising. They actually categorize search ads and paid listings as native ads because they look just like the actual unpaid content. Uh, so again, it looks like the content that you go there for, but it's sponsored content. So the uh, article gives an overview and a link to the recent FTC recommendation for how native ads should be labeled. And the FTC is recommending that they actually use the term ad advertising as part of that label to differentiate a native ad versus content that you've signed up for or editorial content that you've asked to receive. And the industry is kind of feeling like, ah, oh, wait a minute, you know, this, this might be a little bit heavy-handed. FTC has the right, right goal. They're trying to make sure that people who are reading, you know, Time Magazine or going to BuzzFeed or going to YP.com, that they know what's truly organic versus what's truly paid, promoted listings. They want it to be very clear to the consumer. That's part of what their job is. But at the same time, content as described here in native advertising is really different than a traditional ad would be. Again, it's that concept of advertorial. I'm providing useful information to the reader, but just the fact that I happen to have a monetary interest in it, should it actually be considered an ad? So a lot of interest in how the FTC is asking that the industry label native advertising, pros and cons on both sides. The IAB has stepped in and is having some viewpoints on it. Marketers have a lot of interest in it, especially because when we go back to we're looking at a $22 billion market in 2018, this is going to be a big deal. So I expect over the next few months, the next year, we're going to hear a lot of noise in the marketplace about native advertising. A lot of our customers are going to talk about it. People that are using Facebook right now for marketing their business are going to be very involved with this type of a discussion. So we need to make sure that we understand what the terms are, what the benefits are, uh, understand what's happening in the marketplace. So again, we can be that trusted advisor to our customer. So Darren, I don't know if you're a Facebook user or not. Oh, yeah. I sure am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so anybody who's used Facebook has seen these types of, you know, these advertorial, these uh, native ads uh, in their feed. So it's, I, I think it's going to get a lot of noise. Um, hopefully we land on a nice middle ground where the marketers and the businesses can benefit the consumers by giving them useful content. Uh, but we'll, we'll see where that all goes. It is very important to have this knowledge and also know the terminology because, you know, overall when we go out and we, we pitch our products to uh, businesses that have never done anything with YP before, demonstrating your knowledge really builds trust. So people yep. buy from people they trust. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's all I wanted to cover on the industry section this week. Nothing to cover for the product update section except to remind everybody that we are doing the YP Search Pro launch and SEMUARY internal promotion about the new platform and our, our offer. So I'm, 
actually really excited about. I think it's brilliant what we're doing. I think, again, it's a great differentiator for us, a way that we can stand out in the marketplace. And the one thing I did promise for this podcast is a special guest. And Thomas Kuhn, it, Thomas, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Is it Kuhn? Kuhn, it's one of those uh, weird Swiss names where they actually pronounce the E. Well, welcome. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. Not as warm as uh, you guys are on the West Coast, but uh, it's uh, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, we were just laughing at the beginning of the podcast. Darren was saying that during the holidays, it got down to 60 in Texas. And I was, I, I was like, wait, six, six zero or one six sixteen? He's like, no, six zero. It's really cold in Texas. And I'm like, okay, we are so Southern. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, that leads me to the question here, Tom. Where are you located and what's your role in the company? I'm located in our uh, Wisconsin market now. I am located in, in our Madison, Wisconsin office, but I cover, uh, as, as the ISM or the digital media manager, I help cover the Madison, Appleton, Green Bay, and the Eau Claire offices. And I've been in the role now as a digital media manager coming up on three years in April. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. The reason that we actually invited you on the call was I saw this shout-out on um, Salesforce last week about this large sale that you guys did, and I thought, you know, I would love to just find out what happened, who was the customer, what worked, what didn't work, and so if you don't mind, just give us a little bit of background. Who was the customer that you guys saw? What did the customer have previously? And then what was the result of your latest round of negotiations with the customer? Sure. So the customer is located in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, which is kind of uh, in the middle of the state, probably an hour from, hour and a half from Green Bay, an hour and a half from La Crosse. So it's pretty much in the center. The personal injury law firm, it's called Anderson O'Brien. The rep that works that account, is, his name is Dan Craig, and he's based out of our Eau Claire office. He's had a really good relationship with the uh, firm for the past five years. They weren't ready to make that jump into digital age. But last year, they brought on a couple young attorneys, and we had a meeting initially with them last year in March, I believe it was, and talked a little bit about our search and our capabilities and how we're no longer just a print media company that we also really excel in in helping customers drive leads through the internet. That appointment went really, really well, but they still weren't ready to take that dive really into an aggressive search and and display campaign along with a YP.com program. So then toward the end of probably the third, end of the third quarter, uh, the rep contacted them again and they said they were actually ready and considering other options. So we put together a plan. We found out a little bit what they were doing. They're doing a lot of TV advertising up in, in that market and no search. They weren't doing any searches, mostly TV. So we, put a, we then put a plan together around how could we take that budget from TV and put it on, on the uh, digital side of things. So that's very interesting. Let me ask you a couple questions. So you said that uh, when you all called that customer, they said they were looking at other options. Were they looking to do search with other companies, or were they just saying they were going to put their ad budget in other media types? Great question. No, they were actually looking at another search agency, and one of them happened to be Google Direct. It was funny. We, they gave us the proposal that Google had given them, 
and it looked legit that it was actually from Google. So uh, the email address was from somebody at Google.com, so it wasn't somebody posing as somebody from Google. Uh, so that was one of the things that we were up against. We were actually up against Google themselves, helping them run that the, the paid search campaign. Oh, that's a fun one. So that leads to the next question. So you went out, you saw the customer, and did some fact-finding to figure out where were they spending their money, what were the things that they were exploring. And what came back was they were spending money on TV, and they were looking at doing search with Google. Was there anything else that came out during that fact-finding that you're like a little bit surprised on? Uh, no, not really. I, I think the thing that we tried to really stress upon when they said they were doing a lot of TV was asking them, well, where are you getting your clients from right now? And that DMA that they, they use for TV covers a very broad area because the population density is very sparse in that part of the state. So they were covering almost 100 miles radius with that DMA. So they had a lot of waste in their TV advertising. And that's one thing we, we planted that seed on early was, look, you have a lot of waste in that. You're reaching people up in the Wausau market that you aren't really trying to get and you don't want to get. So let's look at something that is going to have much less waste and really target the specific geographic area that you want to target with your branding component of your campaign. Oh, I, I just got to say that is my favorite way of addressing TV advertising. That's brilliant that you guys brought that up because a lot of people just don't realize how large those DMAs can be and how much geography they cover. And making them aware of that waste, uh, that was brilliant. Did the did the customer kind of have an aha moment? Or were they like, yeah, we knew about it, but you know, it's not that big of a deal? Um, yeah, they had a little aha, aha moment on it. Um, they knew about it, but when we brought it to their attention, they you know, what percentage of your of your ad budget is being wasted up there? And yeah. that was when it's really kind of brought, you know, brought the light to them going, wow, you know, we need to look at this a little bit harder. That was that part of the meeting. And then we came back and, and we, were, we had to come back and really sell them on why YP was the right vendor versus using Google to, to run their search. So that's another interesting component. So I just want to go back and, and kind of highlight for anybody that's in, you know, in the same situation where they're out there selling against traditional media the ability to geographically focus with our digital programs versus what they're able to do with traditional programs, I think is just a huge differentiator in a way that we can definitely win. And I love the way that you guys approached it. Then you go into them and you're having to explain why us versus Google. How did you, how did you manage that one? Uh, what they did was they actually did a broad match on the keywords and they were proposing a, it was almost like a $30,000 a month program because they were including broad match and they, they had some other areas in there. And when we looked at that proposal, I just kind of questioned, like, you know, that's a lot of money. And we did our own comparison using the same Google keyword planning tool, and we came up with a, a number closer to five to $6,000 a month, and we're not really doing any waste on, on it. It looks like this proposal is built in with a lot of waste. I just didn't see that. And we, so we put a little doubt in, in the person from Google that actually created the proposal with them and showed them walking on how we did it. And I actually brought up the keyword planning tool and showed them how we did that. And it uh, that went a long way. 
Wow, that's very smart. Again, it's it's kind of exposing weaknesses. I know that, you know, as we're rolling out YP Search Pro, one of the trainings that we're going to go through is how to do a switch pitch. So, well, let me ask you this question. How many appointments did you guys actually go and, you know, meet with the customer on? Did this happen like, you know, you sat down, talked about his needs, came up with I a wouldn't... proposal and 45 minutes later walk out with the contract? No, no. <laughs> I wish it would have been <laughs> like that, but uh, if you count the, uh, the meeting we had last spring with them, and then the, the meeting we had, I believe, it was the first part of November. Uh, so I was involved with two of the meetings face-to-face. The rep had numerous meetings in between there with the, uh, the main contact. And then once we had our final proposal in and had the final meeting in November, then it went to their partnership to make the decision. And we got word on that this, this past week. We got information that or confirmation that they're going to go ahead with us. They had some questions on the terms and condition page, so the rep went back out there on Tuesday or Wednesday to um, go over all the terms and conditions, and that's when they signed the contract. Yeah, this is another part of the story that I think sometimes you know we're so anxious to get things signed quickly, but if it's a big program, it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of meetings. So you went in, you said, hey, we can be more targeted and and remove waste from your TV advertising. Give us some of that budget. We can do your search. What what did the final proposal look like? What did you guys come back and actually recommend to this attorney's office? We came back and recommended, I believe it was $4,000 in search, $2,000 in online display, 500 of which was desktop and $1,500 in mobile display and then uh, wrapped in a good exposure in in YP.com. So we put them into the Circle of Care program also, uh, which is another thing that we help sell against. You know, if Google doesn't, they're not going to give you a baseline of of leads that they're committed to. We will, and we'll actually take money out of our own pocket if we start to fall behind. So that was a big selling point also. Was this incremental budget for them? They are currently a $977 a month biller. So we increased them to over $6,000. So it was about a $5,000 incremental increase on that account. And a lot of the money that we took was from TV. What, what advice would you give to a sales rep who's kind of in the same situation? They're going out to see a customer. Whatever our program is, they're trying to go steal money from either another agency that deals with that customer or another platform that that customer is spending money on. Um, what advice would you give a sales rep in that situation? I think the first and foremost is to really be familiar with the customer's business. You know, being able to ask the right questions regarding geography, uh, where, what are they trying to market to, what are their main areas of business, what are the most profitable lines of business, do they want to grow a specific line of business differently? Um, when you start to ask the business-related questions, most ad agencies aren't going to be asking those. TV rep may not either. So if you start to really care about their business and you start to ask those specific questions, I think that builds a lot of credibility uh, with the customer. And then I, because I had my own agency prior to coming to YP, the whole circle of care program, uh, once I come up and I talk about another agency, I'll just say, look, I have my own agency and maybe this company will do this for you or not, but if we don't meet our safety net of leads, 
we're going to start to take money out of our own pocket to help get, drive phone calls to your business. Tell me another company that's willing to do that for you. And that usually really, with that conviction, that helps. I mean, that gets a lot of sales for us. And I use it because I know what a value that is. When I had my own business, there's no way I was going to come back and say, yeah, I'm sorry you didn't get, you know, 120 leads this year. I'm going to give you, a, you know, reimburse you five grand on your search program because of that. No. <laughs> there's no way we're going to do that, right? <laughs> that ain't so, happening. <laughs> that ain't happening. So I think that that's a huge selling point and the fact that we're – cutting the edge now in, in our relationship with, with Google, really selling the platform of YP Search, how we differentiate um, with putting in the dynamic phone numbers into each of the areas of the campaign, whether it's the statewide, the local, the mobile, or the branding component, and shifting budget every night based off of what's converting, what's not converting. That's a huge, huge tool, and I, I really stress that to our customers that an ad agency is not going to be able to do that for you. Um, Reach Local is not going to be able to do that for you. This is this is unique to us, and we worked with Google and Yahoo to help develop this pro, this system. So it's just not us. We had input from the two major players in in the search engine marketing a, uh, arena. So I was going to say something else that I love that you said was mm-hmm. asking the right questions. I try to give my reps or the reps here some some guidance and some questions on what to ask and and business related questions, you know. And if they're not asking, I'm going to jump in and interject. You know, what is your profit? You know, what was your gross profit last year? What where's what you know? How much of your plumbing business is split between commercial and residential? Do you want to grow the residential piece of it? So those are you know the a lot of the things that we try to answer or ask. And and that way, when I had my own agency, I did the same thing just because then you can build that relationship. And, and you, what I come back to and say is, we really want to put together a comprehensive marketing program for you, and it may include print. It may not. If it's the right product mix, we want to. It doesn't matter if it's print. We're here not to, to sell you print and digital. We're here to sell you a complete marketing program, which will probably incorporate some print, some digital, maybe some, some uh, YP direct. So, we want to make sure that we're getting you in front of 95% of, of the areas that people are searching for a business. That's awesome. So to me, those tips right there are probably the most brilliant things that we can share with our you know, listeners this week is ask smart questions and then you know, go head-to-head with the competitors. We've got great products. We have great service. We are awesome. Don't be afraid to toot our horns to to make a big deal about it and uh, come up with good, smart programs. Don't worry so much about which specific product du jour are we trying to promote. So, Tom, any last thing you want to say before we we just say thank you so much? I did want to touch one last thing on on the agency thing, too, is is we if you're going if you're going into a uh, a situation where you're working with an agency a lot of times if you if you go in with the approach that you're not there to to combat them but you look at the customer and you say look we're on the same page we we want to do the same thing as we want to bring in more customers and, and increase your revenue and your profits we work with a lot of agencies across the country 
So there might be something that they can do that we don't do, which is great. We want to make sure that our messaging is consistent across all mediums, and we want to work with your agency. You know, that might, there might be things that we can do better and let them focus on the branding component. So when you start to deflect that a little bit and you talk right to the owner, that that really I think that's helped me a lot too when I talk to when I'm in a situation where I'm competing with an agency, where I put it on there. We want to help you grow. Um, maybe there's some things they can do. So we're not trying to take everything away from the agency. We want to work in, in conjunction. And then that's when I lead into the agency agreement and with the uh, agency on a separate meeting and follow up. And that's worked out really well. Anything you want to say to our listeners before we say see you later? Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I hope uh, this call was useful and, and uh, helps us grow. Thanks, Darren. All right. You're welcome. Bye. I'll see you soon.